You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the next Keep Canada Weird episode. If you're new here in this ongoing series, my pal Aaron and I seek out and explore the more interesting Canadian news stories from the last week. In tonight's episode, Aaron and I are going to discuss a Nova Scotia man's quest to get his personalized license plate back, Jack Shit's benches, which have been popping up across BC, a pokey thief, and a broken snow globe in Newfoundland. So let's get into it. Aaron Airport, it's good to be back, connected with you, talking about weird stuff. How's it going over there? Oh, it's going good. It's going good. Just um, ready to get weird tonight. Let's do it. Yeah, for people who don't have the pleasure of viewing uh, and are just listening, you have beautiful curtains behind you. Uh, did you decorate that room yourself? Those cur- they It's kind of like a Celtic take on an American flag. I see like a tartan with stars under it. Yes, well, I'll tell you... Um, that was there when I bought this house and moved in. Oh, and I left that was it up. probably a big part of the negotiation. Yeah, I I, I told the uh, real estate agent that that needed to be written into the offer. Okay, um, okay. that kitchen curtain. So okay. yeah, well, good decision because it looks amazing behind you. Um, what's new? What have you been up to? <laughs> oh, this question again. Well, you, you don't have to talk about like what in your life is going on or what have you done in your life, but just in general, what in the world has made you interested? Oh, well, I'm still interested in uh, Russia and Ukraine. Okay. Um, I follow it very closely and deeply and obsessively. So okay. um, now, like, you can always tell what's going on in somebody's life when you look at their suggested videos that pop up on YouTube. Mine is just all Putin. (laughs) They know you better than you know yourself sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. But since we're on the topic of YouTube and pop culture, I think before we can get into anything tonight, we need to address the elephant in the room. Everybody who listens to this show, every single one of them have been waiting for us to weigh in on the news story of our generation well, the slap heard around the world oh. let me just ask you did did you watch the oscars i did not watch the oscars and in fact i never do yeah i don't either i i sometimes i'll try to watch like the movie that won best picture or whatever you know that sort of thing yeah i never watch the oscars i i find it a disgusting uh show to begin with for for yeah. all of its uh from its inception but for people who've had, uh, who who didn't manage to catch the story of what happened, basically um, Will Smith and his wife and I guess probably people that were in the movie with him were kind of sitting front row. Chris Rock, the comedian, was presenting, and as the presenters will during the Oscars, Chris Rock was making jokes, and he made a joke about Will Smith's wife Jada Pickett Pinkett Smith, and and the joke was something about like she's gonna be in the movie GI Jane too. Uh, mm. The movie G.I. Jane 1 features uh, a female actress with a bald head, like she had her head shaved because it's like an army movie. What I, I would not have known this, but Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith's wife, has a medical condition that leads to her leads her hair to fall out. So she's, and it's something she's sensitive about. Mm-hmm. So she was sitting with Will and she's bald. 
Um, so that joke that Chris Rock made about her being bald and maybe appearing in a reboot of G.I. Jane uh, was enough to lead Will Smith to walk up on stage, approach kid, uh, Chris Rock, slap him across the face, which was a pretty big move. I, I, I think mm. that's worse than a punch. Uh, and then as he's walking back to his seat, Will Smith is shouting, um, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth. I think mm. he said it three times. Yeah, he was he was screaming it. Yeah, it was pretty intense, mm. but uh, it, a pretty wild moment. And in the Oscars, like, are the people there? They did nothing. They allowed him to get up on stage, smack someone, and exist. Mm. That's the thing. Like, if it's a well-known celebrity walking up the steps, they're not really going to... I mean, going forward, they might, but mm-hmm. they weren't <laughs> expecting anything like that mm-hmm. to happen. Um, but anyway, it was a, a wild moment. Do you think anything will happen to Will Smith for this? Not in the long term, I don't think. But one thing that's happening is that nobody's going to talk about ever him winning the award oh yeah it certainly overshadowed that and i think it's it will probably lead to him having a bit of a reputation of being a nut because he like my perception of will smith i've known him as like a really clean like family friendly kind of entertainer like his music didn't have curses he's generally in kind of like big budget pretty clean movies like he wouldn't be in anything very racy and then for this to happen is um and hearing him shouting at him and stuff, it just goes completely against his image. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he always had that nice guy impression, I guess. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, for all of our lives, like you said. And um, Anyway, well, we had to address that. It's addressed. We can move on with our night. Um, let's move on. We got something else big we need to discuss. Before we can get into the new stories we're going to get into, that we're going to talk tonight, Uh, We need to put a matter to bed that has been also the subject of a lot of emails and discourse. Mm. Is Aaron wrong? Is everyone else wrong? Um, You received a death threat coming from Mm -hmm. uh, Ellen in the United States. Um, This all goes back to an ongoing issue you're having with the pronunciation or the spelling, I suppose, of rhesus, as in rhesus pieces. So before we go... for people watching and listening, we're about to put this matter to bed. Or but crack be- it even wider open. I think it's going to be put to bed. Um, but before we do, there is one voice memo I got concerning this. Uh, let me play that, and then we will get to what I think will be the final update in this saga. Here's mm. the voicemail we received. Hey, Jordan. This voice memo is in regards to your Keep Canada Weird series and Aaron's big debate on Reese Peanut Butter Cups. My brain just will not allow me to call them anything else but Reese. Like Reese's? Reese's? It just doesn't flow for me. Maybe it's a Cape Breton thing. So that is someone who agrees with you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, the issue up until this point is, is it Reese? Is it Reese's? If it is Reese's, is it okay to say Reese? Then I got a message. Uh, This came to me not as a voice memo, but just as a, a... text-based message through my Facebook account for Nighttime Podcast. Here's what it says. Hi, Jordan and Aaron. I've been listening to the Keep Canada Weird show and enjoy it very much. I was grocery shopping yesterday, and I happened to see a package of Reese ice cream, and I said to myself, hmm, maybe Aaron is right. 
And then today I was listening to your most recent show and I saw Aaron was yet again under fire for his understanding of Reese versus Rhesus. And I had to go back to the grocery store to take some photos to show you what the brand actually looks like. Clearly, both Reese and Rhesus are correct depending on the product. And the person who wrote this message is Sandra Gates. And Sandra was kind enough to send me a collection of photos of various Reese products. And what I see as I flip through the products is that the company seems to use both brands. So they have Mix Reese, which is like a bag of different kinds of things. Reese's Pieces has the apostrophe S. They have Reese uh, um, ice cream, which is, doesn't have the apostrophe S. They have Klondike bars that are Reese flavored, which is R-E-E-S-E. -E. They have Reese's Puffs, which has the apostrophe S. So it seems all over the place. And like Sandra says in her message, it appears to me that that both are acceptable. I, I took the step to actually write to the company to see what the deal is with their branding. Is it two separate companies or is there any rhyme or reason for how they use the branding? And at the time that we're at on air, I've yet to receive a response and I likely won't. But but I think, Aaron, for you, I think this is a bit of redemption because it yeah. it shows at least what you say is acceptable. I made the argument that I was that I'm kind of right, and I was kind of right. Um, and I think Ellen, who is responsible for the initial death threat that brought this whole thing up, I think she'll be listening to this. Is there anything you want to say to her? I want her to apologize the same way that Will Smith did to uh, Chris Rock after the slap heard around the world. Um, Will Smith issued a you know an apology after the fact and i want one too and i want it played on air live hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Let's get into the weird Canadian news of the week. As typical, we have a mixed bag. The way I summarized this episode is we have um, the story of grabber's plates. We have a pokey thief. Uh, we can talk about jack shit in his benches. <laughs> yeah. And we have an amazing archival video from Newfoundland that uh, I've had a hard time finding this the original source of, but it's amazing, and I still want to play it and talk to you about it. To start, let's... Uh, Maybe we should start with the plaques, perhaps. Yes, the Jack Platts. 
plaques? Yeah, the the Jack shit plaques. And this is when uh, uh, several listeners of the Keep Canada Weird series have notified me of this story out of British Columbia. And I see why. It's quite weird and kind of funny. So I'm going to read you from a CBC article that summarizes the story. The This is an article from March 24th, and the, the headline is Plaque Prank or Humorous Memorial. It's fair to say we don't know Jack. So here we go. We didn't know Roland Shit had a brother on the West Coast, but sadly it appears Jack recently passed away, but those who claim to have known him are busy marking his memory. A series of signs intended to look like plaques have been placed on dozens of benches across British Columbia in recent weeks, memorializing a person whose last name is Shit, spelled S-C-H-I-T-T, with the first name Jack. The plaques, which include a crude tagline, also feature a QR code that links to a Facebook page showing all of the locations the plaques have been placed. And it says they, um, the plaques include a crude tagline. The tagline is, he was an asshole, but he was a funny asshole. So I'm going to continue to read onto the article. From scenic lookout points in Lillooet to Vancouver's Stanley Park, from ski hills in Vernon, the sidewalks next to, next to Victoria's Empress Hotel, the plaques have been clandestinely placed throughout the province over the past two months. But it does not appear the memorials to Mr. Shit were approved by any bylaw officials. Now they're quoting someone. I don't know anyone that issues a permit for a prank, but if you mean we are okay with it, do we tolerate these sorts of stickers on benches? Well, the answer is no, wrote Bill Eisenhower, head of engagement for the city of Victoria. We've already dispatched city crews to remove any that still remain, and we've alerted our colleagues at the Greater Victoria Harbor Authority as a couple of those picks appear to be on their property. I like your impression of this uh, guy. Hey, everybody, don't put those blacks there, okay? That's my <laughs> bench. That's not your bench. That's rude. <laughs> on Mr. Shit's Facebook page, there is a post explaining the purpose of the project. Jack is dearly loved and missed by all. He lived his life fully, and made it his life, and now his legacy, to make people laugh. He believed that if we all took ourselves less seriously, we could all live a happier life, it reads. He wanted to meet as many people as he could in life, and that way, he could honestly tell them that they knew jack shit. But there remains the distinct possibility that the memorial is, in fact, a prank. CBC News messaged the Facebook page to ask if the tributes were a marketing campaign or a joke, but didn't receive a reply. Online phone directories show no record of anyone named shit in the province. And the BC Coroner Service said they have no record of any investigation into the death of someone with the last name shit, spelt S-C-H-I-T-T. In recent days, the people behind the project have pivoted to putting the plaques on, on a more symbolically apt structure. Porta potties. <laughs> and then they, the article ends with a whole bunch of photos of these plaques stuck to porta potties. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I don't I don't know what that is. It's some kind of like it's not like a guerrilla marketing campaign. It's just a, a weird prank, I guess. So there is no seems... jack shit. And see, that's the thing. I don't know how I see this now. Like, yeah, it's like it's on the cusp of being a clever joke, but not quite there yet. Well, I think uh, think of um, you know the whole thing with. Oh, what were they called? The the tall metal structures that appeared everywhere, and they kind of went. Oh, oh yes, right, right. Uh, I can't think of what they were called. What people were called. Yeah, Mo they uh, were. 
monoclips Monolith? or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. They, um, it, it's like that kind of started off silly, but then it kind of took off. Mm-hmm. This is something that like, it's, it's silly, but I could see it taking off just because it's fun. And if there's a Facebook group with a map and stuff, people would want, you know, the, their town to be on that map. I could see that being something that catches on. I think I'm all for a project that is, um, that seeks to make things a bit more interesting and doesn't really harm anyone. That said, putting stickers places if they're not easily removed on people's property, that's, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could support that, but, uh, they're, they're definitely making a, an attempt at a fun and funny thing. Yeah. The attempt is there. There's some thought into it, but I, I just don't think it, they, they quite, uh, flushed it out, uh, properly the, the one thing that i could see making this catch on is other people wanting to put the stickers up in their hometown to get their town on the you know the jack shit map but hmm. i don't know again it's almost funny it's almost yeah there. It's, it's almost there i don't like the tagline i think that's what's kind of hanging me up about it the jack shit he was an asshole but he a was funny an asshole. asshole but a funny asshole yeah well i guess the the kind of background story they're coming up with was it was this guy that died and this was like kind of their way of memorializing him if he was a real person then that would be a really cool story i think that's the only way that it works is if he's real yeah and, and, so right and that now would... we don't know if he's real. yeah or not. yeah i guess yeah if he was a real person who liked making people laugh and when he before he died he told his friends like i got this idea do this mm-hmm. then that that would be amazing yeah but, but if they just came up with it, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I give it a 3 out of 10 if they came up with it, a 9.5 out of 10 if it's a true story. If it's story. real, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, well let's move on to um, – you want to get into some Canadian crime? Yeah, I do actually. Okay. Talking cue... about it and committing it. Um, let me run our intro and then we'll get to it. Okay. This week in Crime in – Canada. Aaron, have you ever been ripped off buying something online? No. I've, I've, I've never been like truly burned, but I've had like had disappointing things or, or things arrive not quite as described. That almost made me feel like ripped off. But the story we're going to get into now, it's out of Vancouver, BC, and it uh, is straight up the story of an online like scammer thief but what makes it interesting is uh the whole story and the crime it centers around valuable pokemon cards Mm. Uh, and my uh, oldest son is into pokemon cards so i kind of understand the economy that surrounds the collection of rare and collectible pokemon cards they can be really expensive and i guess anything that's you know expensive and commonly trade it is going to be a prime for someone to use this uh, as a way to separate someone from their money fraudulently let me read you this uh, this article actually before i read you the article do you know anything about pokemon do you like these things i i know that it exists and you know i know about pikachu <laughs> you know? okay i think we missed it like it came out after we were I kind of remember first hearing about it and i think i was you know like 15 or something by then so it's probably too old for it yeah, I see. It was, it was definitely well on the tail end of uh, when I yeah, it was I was not the demographic they were originally aiming for, but 
you know, I know, I know it's out there. I don't follow it or watch it or do anything with it, but hmm. yeah. All right. Well, let's hear about how they play into Canadian crime. So the headline of the CTV news article is BC man ordered to pay hundreds after not delivering collectible Pokemon cards to buyers. A man who sells collectible Pokemon cards has been ordered to pay more than $1,300 to two customers who say they didn't get the cards they paid hundreds of dollars for. A civil resolution tribunal decision posted online Wednesday said Andrew Yones in Jalzade Cabini submitted claims against Zachary Hall after purchasing cards from him last year. The two men told the tribunal they paid for specific cards, but either received sport cards or Pokemon cards that were worth no more than a few dollars instead. Hall, however, tried to have the complaints dismissed, saying the allegations weren't true. He instead accused them of trying to make a quick few bucks, according to tri the tribunal member Eric Ragar's decision. And now they get into the kind of the facts of the story. Yones, which is one of the alleged victims, Yones' transaction began with an initial sale in early May. Yones bought several cards from Hall and received what he ordered, Rhaegar wrote. The two used an intermediary to complete the transaction. And I wonder what that intermediary could have been. Could have been like eBay or Amazon Yeah, some third-party kind of, you know, situation. Uh, so the two... So the two used the interme intermediary to complete the transaction, but weeks later on June 8th, Younes and Hall agreed to another sale. In this case, Younes paid $975 for six specific Pokemon cards and paid by e-transfer rather through the intermediary, which was probably again like PayPal or something. And then over the next several days, Younes asked Hall multiple times if the cards had been sent, and on June 15th, Hall sent the package. The tribunal heard that Younes was beginning to get suspicious by this time after finding Facebook posts where it seemed as though Hall sold the same cards to other people. He also reportedly unsent some of his message history with Younes. Oh, like, you know, in Facebook, you mm -hmm. can unsend well, a message. Yeah, yeah. That's always a little sketchy. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so he sent them on June 15th. On June 21st, the package arrived. By then, Mr. Yones believed that Mr. Hall had scammed him, so he took a video of himself opening the box, an unboxing video. Um, the package included only a basketball card and a baseball card. There were no Pokemon cards in the package at all. So that's the first scam. Now we're going to go into the second person involved in this. His last name, Cabini. I may be, I'm likely pronouncing that wrong. But Cabini's transaction with Hall happened at about the same time. On June 13th, Cabini agreed to pay $260 for a valuable Pokemon card. Instead, when his package arrived, there were several Pokemon cards that he said were worth a few cents or maybe a dollar each. Cabini said when he tried to contact Hall, the seller didn't respond. In the, def in the decision, the lawyer or the judge, Regar, said Hall's responses were difficult to follow and didn't address the primary issue in the dispute. Much of Mr. Hall's evidence is about past customers who've been happy with their purchases. And I find that this is irrelevant to whether Mr. Hall sent the right cards to these applicants for the purchases at issue in the dispute. He told the tribunal Cabini and Yones may have gotten the wrong cards because of a mix-up with the mail. Uh, however, he never ex explicitly says that he sent the right cards to either applicant, although he does describe their accusations as false. Uh, 
It is unclear, however, whether the denial is about their allegation that they received the wrong cards or that their allegation that Mr. Hall is a scammer. But ultimately, the judge determined Kabini and Yones had proven their claims. Yones in particular had video evidence uh, that he didn't receive what he paid for, which the judge called a smoking gun. While Kabini didn't have a video, uh, the judge wrote that the photo evidence likely shows what he received, adding that Hall's failure to respond to his messages were telling. Hall was ordered by the courts to pay Yones a total of $1,115.30, which covers damages and CRT-related fees, oh, court fees. To Cabini, he was ordered to pay $260.88, nearly all of which was to cover damages. Mr. Hall's failure to provide an explanation of what happened or to explicitly deny the applicant's allegations suggests he knows he sent the wrong cards, whether it was on purpose or not, the judge wrote. So I think uh -huh. that's the, a, a pretty textbook case of uh, someone trying to make a few um, dirty dollars and getting busted. Yeah, it seems to me like that only works if you do it once. And hmm. I don't know, like, is it really worth it to be? Yeah, for a like, couple hundred bucks. Yeah, like for the minimal payoff that this person is getting by ripping, sending hockey, you know, no Pokemon cards. Oh, oh selling, he ho send, sending hockey. You send instead. hockey cards instead. Yeah, like what? <laughs> yeah, but how many people, for the sake of a couple hundred bucks, how many people are going to do more than send him a bunch of messages? Like, if these two people came forward and actually went to the, you know, the courts about it, I'm sure there's, you know, there's more victims that just didn't take the time to do it. Um, and maybe this guy's really hard up for money. And has you know got away with it once or twice, so he did it again. Uh, the other thing too, they didn't name the intermediary, but I used to do a lot of like buying and selling stuff on eBay. And the way eBay would work is if you make sales through eBay, like someone buys a product you're listing on eBay and pays through PayPal, which is like eBay's promoted banking service, your purchase is kind of protected and insured in some ways through these companies. And also when you're buying through eBay. Uh, in a lot of the similar services you have there's like a uh, um, a dispute resolution process where eBay can get involved and you can also leave bad feedback so future buyers and will you know will see the flags that are the red flags associated with the specific seller so you have a bit more recourse but if you then take a sale off of eBay and off of that platform and just do it through Facebook Messenger and e-transfer and stuff you're completely on your own. So if mm -hmm. this guy is uh, shady and wanting to scam people by getting them off of the primary platform and just doing it through Messenger and e-transfers and stuff, yeah, you, I bet you you could get away with that a lot before someone takes the steps to actually take you to court over you know seven hundred bucks or whatever. But yeah, I'm glad maybe. these people I did. Would just, I would just think like as a, I don't know. It's just such a type of scam that easily leads back to you mm -hmm. and if you do it enough like you know you could someone's eventually going to say something or or pursue legal action or you know like in this case it just seems mm -hmm. um low-hanging fruit why waste your time like figure out a different scam yeah but people do like scams that will eventually lead back to you, but you just have a little bit of time to get away with it. Like there's a lot like that, that people will, st will still do. People are just, if, if someone's desperate and stupid 
or they just can't resist, you know, taking someone's money. I don't know. Like I, it said, like the messages were going unanswered when the second complainant uh, was writing them, like you sent me the wrong stuff. I, I wonder if this guy who was doing it, if he thought I'm just going to block them and not respond to their emails and I'll get the 600 bucks. Um, I love to see someone shady like that get taken down, though. Mm -hmm. That's what I liked about this article. It's like, good. Yeah. Yeah, it is good that, that they got just some justice in All right, well, let's, uh, let's get on to the next story. Um, we got a few to choose from here. We can go through the saga that I'm... I've got again this is one that I've got a lot of requests for and I'm glad to finally get it over with and have the story be done is the story of Grabber's Plate. Yeah. Or or we can look at the uh this piece of video and audio from Newfoundland that I wanted to tell you about. You got a preference here? Yeah, let's end on the video. We usually do. Yeah, that's that's a good way to do it. And the video yeah. is hilarious, so it's a perfect yeah. uh it's a good send-off. Nightcap send-off, yeah. So let me ask you this. You, you, I think everybody in the country has seen the photo of the unhappy looking man holding a license plate, a Nova Scotia license plate that says, grab her. Mm -hmm. Do you know, like before we decided to talk about this tonight, did you, did you follow this story? You know I mean, I would about? see, you know, articles about it over the course of the history of the story. So I would see random updates here and there and just... The entire time, I'm wondering, why does he care? <laughs> why so is for, he fighting so hard to get his last name on a plate? So this is a saga that has been going on now almost five years to the day. Because actually, I have the first article written about it. It was the first article like where this story first came out is March 23rd, 2017. So that's when it started. And I'll, I'll read you a couple of the articles to get people caught up because, but I think a lot of people in Nova Scotia would know this story. It's basically a story that surrounds a Nova Scotia man who had a, a vanity plate, which is like a license plate for your car that has rather than like the random license plate number, it would have like a word or whatever. Yeah, he had his personalized last name on it. license plate. Yeah. So he had a license plate, personalized plate for years. However, the government or the registrar or whatever that oversees the license plates, took it away from him and he has been fighting it for five years. This is totally overwhelming, I mean. Lauren Grabber says he can't believe the support he's received after the story about his license plate went worldwide. He has countless messages, emails and phone calls from across North America and as far away as Moscow and Austria. The plate was pulled because of one complaint, with government saying some people could interpret it as promoting violence against women. Grabber says it's his last name, and he's proud of it. He bought the plate 25 years ago for his dad's 65th birthday, and it's been passed down through the family ever since. Grabber says he's so upset, he's considering legal action in an effort to get his plate back. His son has the same plate on his vehicle in Alberta. This weekend, he had a special sticker made for his car, pointing to the plate and saying, it's my last name. That article, again, was the situation when it first became public in 2017. And as I said, and I can't um, overstate that this is something that 
every like three months or so, for some reason, this story finds its way in the news because Lauren Grabber either files, uh, he filed a lawsuit against, you know, uh, let's say the Department of Motor Vehicles. When that didn't work, he went against the province. That didn't work, so he appealed it. Then he went to the Supreme Court or whatever of the province. And, and it's always been in the news. He's been on radio a lot. It's been a long running joke in if any time there's an article about him, you just got to look at the comments and there are half of the province seems to be saying this guy just needs to give it up and, you know, not have a license plate. That said, I do see his point. Before we get into the update, do you have an opinion on this guy's plate? Yeah, I think I think from the moment this we need to go back to 25 years ago when he first got the plate. Mm-hmm. And the need to say to him, personalized plates are stupid. And yeah, then, that's true. And then end it there. Because, yes, he's had it for, you know, all these years. Yes, it is his last name. But at the end of the day, personalized plates are stupid. So that's it. But let me, so we've been talking about this issue with his license plate, and I told you the original story, but let me uh, give you the current update. And I think a lot of Nova Scotians are going to be happy with this. Um, Well, specifically the ones that are sick of hearing about it. So as I mentioned, Lauren Grabber has gone up through all levels of government. He, when he, he lost the case to the, um, the top court in Nova Scotia, they wouldn't give him back his plate. Uh, he then appealed that, he lost that appeal, and then he presented his case to the Supreme Court of Canada, which is the Canada's top co- uh, court. And the way the Supreme Court works is they get, you you apply to them to hear your case. So you put, put it together and you send it to them. They will review it and decide if that's a case they want to, you know, hear mm-hmm. and make a decision on. They don't give an explanation as to why they do or don't take a case. The headline of the article that just came out, uh, this is March 17th, so a little over a week ago. The headline is, the Supreme Court of Canada won't hear the appeal of Nova Scotia <laughs> man Grabber's license plate case. It's a battle that's been fought for over four years. Can a last name on a license plate be considered offensive? Well, in part, it depends on what that last name is. But what if the last name has appeared on the license plate for nearly 30 years before being revoked? That's the case with Lorne Grabber, who had his name on a personalized license plate in Nova Scotia for 27 years. But then, after a single anonymous complaint in 2016, his plate was revoked. During the Supreme Court hearing last January, an expert witness testified that the license plate may be interpreted as support for violence against women, as it can be read as grab her, and ultimately some may feel threatened by the plate. In the end, the Supreme Court agreed there's no constitutionally protected right to freedom of expression on a government-owned personalized license plate. But Grabber has not given up fighting for what he believes is his right. His lawyers argue that the appeal hinges on three factors. The protections under the charter apply to an individual's expression on a personalized license plate in Nova Scotia, that interpreting an Austrian-German name as objectionable English phrase and then censoring it infringes on the charter, and that the trial judge erred in finding that the name grabber promotes sexualized violence without providing any meaningful evidence. There is no evidence of harm for 27 years. We have no affidavit evidence from anybody in Nova Scotia that they were harmed by this plate. The only 
harm that is contended is from an anonymous person. The Crown, meanwhile, argued that license plates have never been a space for total freedom of expression. There's a format that limits the characters, the color and size of a license plate. They also say that Grabber's charter rights were never violated and that he's still allowed to own a car, drive a car and even have a personalized license plate, just not with his specific last name on it. The judges have reserved their decision in this case. Well, let's uh, get to the part of the show that I'm most excited about. So in the past, you re you remember a, a listener named Meg uh, sent us the video from Kalagru, Newfoundland of the uh, the rat dispute, mm -hmm. which was amazing. The rat lady, uh, that whole thing. After I, I told Meg, I, I responded to her and thanked her for sending the video saying I hadn't seen that. It was amazing. And she said, well, if you didn't see that, there's this other video. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, on the news in Newfoundland. That is also amazing that you need to see. Uh, I watched it. I laughed. I watched it again and I continue to laugh. I've probably watched it 20 times by now and I've laughed a lot each time. But there's a bit of a background here because I've had a hard time figuring out a lot of the context because it's, it's a video that was shot by a, a Newfoundland TV station called NTV that's only broadcast in Newfoundland and it seems like it was broadcast maybe seven or eight years ago but as far as I can tell the background to this is I can't tell what store but what it seems has happened is a, just around Halloween a Newfoundland a woman in Newfoundland bought a snow globe from a dollar store. So it could have been Dollarama, it could have been some other one. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the snow globe in question, because you see it in the news report, I'm pretty sure I've seen those for sale at Dollarama, which is a popular Yeah, it, lo it looks just like every Halloween snow globe that you get at any dollar store anywhere. Yeah, so anyway, this this woman is has gone to the press in Newfoundland, gone to NTV, because she's unhappy because the snow globe that she bought um, was handled by her young grandson who was visiting her. The grandson, it, it broke very easily and the grandson could have cut himself. Uh, she wants the dollar store to pull this product off the shelves and she was on the news about it. And both her delivery and especially her grandson's uh, comments on the whole incident are just amazing. A woman in Mount Pearl has sounded the alarm over a possible problem with some Halloween snow globes being sold in the metro area. NTV's Fred Hutton has that story. Alice Talk likes to go all out for Halloween decorating her house inside and out. This year she bought a $2 snow globe from a local store, but has sounded the alarm after the snow globe exploded while her three-year-old grandson, Hunter, yes, was free. playing with it. It happened yesterday about... Um... Uh, just be just before lunch, just before lunch, yeah, and he, he was just sitting there and he was looking at television and he picked up that little thing there and he went shake and I just went and I was watching him because I was sitting down here and like I knew he didn't uh, uh, hit it off anything as long as I was looking at him and he picked it up and went to shake it like that and when it did it just poof. Just like that, it exploded. I just see uh, again and exploded everywhere. Like that. <sighs> I'll tell you. 
the snow and the water and the glass. <sighs> this is what is left of the snow globe. While she's contacted the store, she knows there are others out there that have already been sold. She wants other people to know about the dangers. My concern, it could happen to anyone, a child or a grown-up, really, because, I mean, first when I bought it, I took it and shook it. And, I mean, nothing happened. And then I lodged it on the table. And when I... Here, here Chloe. And uh, then I lodged it on the table, and I saw... I thought about it until he came yesterday and he sat down, he went to shake it and just took one like that and exploded. And, and like I said, the biggest concern, it could have went in his eyes. It could have went in his eyes. Miss Tull contacted the store where she purchased the snow globe and was told they will be taking them off the store shelves. She said she was also told other stores are also expected to do likewise. Oh, Aaron, I uh, I don't know what I like more if if I like her version of what happened or the little guy, uh, but both of them are are amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, well, the little guy's hilarious. Yeah, he's like, oh, I tell you, and he's oh, so I tell excited. Oh, was the glass and the water, <laughs> and, and the parts I like is every so often you just be lost for words and you go, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just he's so like. I find it takes time for like someone his age. It takes longer to take on the personality traits of the people around you. You know, you can tell he spends a lot of time with his grandmother. Is that what yeah, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> you can just tell that like he really talks exactly he, like her. Yeah, he's like a seventy-year-old Newfoundlander in a mm -hmm. five-year-old body, sort of thing. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he's it's it's like he's reincarnated, you know, Jimmy uh, Flynn or something. Yeah. <laughs> I just say uh, again and and spilled it everywhere, like that. I tell you, it spilled it everywhere—the snow and the water and the glass. <sighs> I, I'm I'm convinced every product at the dollar store is, you know, it, it would going barely, to kill you. it's going to kill you or poison yeah. you. And, but uh, yeah, but this one, I think um, the fact that like, it, it's one of those golden moments, you couldn't hire actors or writers to put together something that kind of captures a moment like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you could never do that uh, fictitiously. It has to be real. And, that was just such a great moment to capture on news. And it really captures the essence of just the regular people in Newfoundland or in a lot of other places. It reminds me of mm. Cape Breton as well. I know yeah, any rural a million area, people. You know, like any rural area anywhere kind of thing. Um, but those stories, th this one somewhat, I wouldn't say it went viral, but I did find a video, a poor quality video of it on YouTube that had a lot of views. So it, it's a well-known video in Newfoundland, but I don't think around, you know, around the country, although people would probably enjoy it. But I think uh, what, what that shows me is that there's a lot of like clips like this that people know in their own area. So mm -hmm. anyone who is watching and listening that has like one of those crazy clips that really captures the essence of life in their, in their community in a lighthearted and funny way, I would, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Cause I, I, that that type of thing just makes me wild. Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's funny. And you want to just find this kid and send, just get him to talk about whatever you know. 
yeah i would talk to him talking later, about yeah. anything well just like remember last week we played the uh the guy who was wild about weather uh out of yeah, saskatchewan yeah. um this guy is this kid today is like a whole different version of that but i could hear i would like to hear this kid yeah talk about any issue or any kind of thing going on in his life and i bet you it would be hilarious just like that weather guy last week i think every little thing would be comical i think the kid would be a good um you know host for this show like he could kind of come on as the third host yeah no what's it called when you have someone who's like out in the field doing work Oh, like um, correspondent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would be a great correspondent. We could send him to like a you know a grocery store and check out something for us. He would have and... to be supervised, though. We need yes, yeah, well, to... it'd be his grandmother, obviously. Yeah, well, she better uh, then... stay out of the way. It's 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 all about the kids. It's his show. Well, yeah, then again, yeah. that that clip was like seven years old. He's probably a teenager now. Oh yeah, that's seven years old. Or I forget the whole thing. Then we're not yeah. interested. No, no. It's You're not too cute old. Anymore. You're old news. Yeah. You're washed um, up. Well, let's wrap this up. We have uh, the the country has one week to get weird. Um, and if uh, if your part of the country gets weird, let us know about it, and we can talk about it next week. Yeah. Uh, any, anything you want to go out on? Let's just um, be excellent to each other. <laughs> and go get some Reese's pieces. We'll get some Reese products at your local grocery store. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go out the way we always do. Aaron. All right. And Jordan. Until next time. When life gives you keep lemons. Keep your name out of my mouth. Make the lemons weird. I want to thank you for joining Aaron and I in our Keep Canada Weird discussion. But before we part, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big thank you to Monty Data for contributing the music for this episode, and Unicole for supplying the intro and outro narration. But the most important thank you goes to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. Not only does it make the show possible, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, support the show and give yourself more of it at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on the topic of the premium feed, I want to thank the newest subscribers, Justin, Craig, Kel, and Melissa. Thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on the show, or contribute a voice memo, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com contact. And I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. Beautiful, serene, majestic. 
the true North. Strong and weird.